uh, just going to speak a little bit about what I be believe that God has had uh, on my heart, you know, and uh, what I, I believe that he has for all of us. And so I'm just going to read from different portions of the scripture, and then we'll see what God has for us. So in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, there are 21 incredible, incredible verses that are in, that God has put in the scriptures for us. And he's done that in such a beautiful and incredible way. And again, this starts out with what is our positional truth that is ours, secure in heaven, is as secure as, as secure as Christ is himself seated at the right hand of the Father. That's how secure what we have in him positionally. And now this is being worked out in us and through us experientially. In these particular verses that are ours in the scriptures. So this is this is Romans chapter five and verse one. Now the therefore in verse one goes goes right back to those first three and four chapters, those first four chapters. So when it says therefore, it's including all of that leading up to this particular place in scripture. So it says, therefore, being. And when it says being here, what it's referring to is a brand new being of who we are in Christ. And what is our being? Therefore, our being, we being justified. And, and our new being in Christ means that we have been cleared of all guilt and condemnation. There is not one single thing that God holds against us. Nothing. Then that's why the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 3, uh, 10 and 11 and 12, 11 and 12, and why it teaches in Hebrews chapter 4, verses uh, chap chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 to 29, why it teaches that even his chastisement is his loving chastisement. He's correcting us in his love. He doesn't hold anything against us, not a single thing. So our being is completely justified. By faith, by our dependence. And this is what's being worked into us. Us to be dependent experientially about who we are in Christ positionally in terms of God's view and God's sight of us. And when we do that, when we are dependent, when we're humble and dependent, then his grace comes in. His grace is established so that his love flows through that grace, and then what do we have? We have peace. And what that is bringing out to us is the very peace that God has about us being in his son in Ephesians 2 and verse 14, who is our peace and who has won that peace for us in Colossians 1 and verse 20 on the cross, the finished work. And this is what this is referring to. So therefore, being completely free of all condemnation, and guilt of who we are in Christ, and by this dependence that we have being worked into us through humility so that God's grace can, can be established so that his love can flow and we can have his peace. God's at peace about us. God is not upset with us in the least way. Not at all. He's not upset. 
Everything has been dealt with. And so we have the peace, and it says, with God. And this little word, with, goes right back to John 1 and verse 1. In, in the beginning, in eternity past, so to speak, the word, the word was the word, Christ in his pre-incarnate state. And the word with, and that word with is the Greek word as we've been taught, is P-R-O-S, pros, and it's that Greek word that the, what the Father and the Son are eternally and were eternally in one sense having in their relationship was this love life exchange that nothing could disturb or distract. That's what with means. And we've been brought into that with God through, through and by our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, meaning as long as he masters us. It's not something we do. We don't make him our master. He is master and Lord Jesus Christ. Then it says, by whom also we have access by faith, by this dependence, this humility, and all the teaching that goes into that, into this grace wherein we stand. In his grace, his grace. You see, it's grace that's something that is his, that he gives to us as we grow in dependence experientially. This is James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. This is 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. This is what's bringing out this beautiful reality here. So we stand. Stand here is our position. Our standing is, the, is what our position is. But our state has to do with what our experience is. And are we experiencing the reality of how God sees us in, in Christ Jesus without guilt or condemnation or anything? Well, we stand and then we rejoice in hope. This hope that is a guarantee. In other words, there's a guarantee right now, that God has already been glorified through Jesus Christ, and that you and I are on our way to entering into that glory when we will see him in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, face to face, and then when we will, for all eternity, each individual in their own individuality, will have that depth of intimate fellowship with him as brought out in Revelations 2 and verse 17. And then it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Notice, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works, what? Patience. That's the thing. That, that is the thing and the only thing that gives us the proper experience of what is ours positionally. Because what is patience? revealing to us it, and that's why we need to be patient and grow in patience because there is no patience in us in the flesh that's that's in us but that we're not of there's no patience whatsoever so and what that means is is that it simply means this that the love that's yours and mine in our standing or in opposition without patience and humility that love doesn't flow into us in our experience. So we need patience. We need patience. 
And, and the truth of the matter is, is that God has called us into his patience where we can rest in his love. Because in Zephaniah 3 and verse 17, it says he rests in his love. But it also says in Isaiah 30 and verse 18 that he is waiting, and that's patient, to be gracious, you see. And so we get to do that with him. You see, we can't wait. We can't be patient without grace. We can't experience his love without patience because you cannot separate love from patience. That's brought out in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love is patient. It's enduring. It's, it's, it's kind and so forth. But not only so in, in Romans 5 verse 3, but we glory in tribulations. Why? Because we know. How do we know? Through grace and through patience, as his love flows in us and his love protects us, so that we know that that tribulation is working more patience into us, a greater degree of his love. <laughs> and patience brings in what? Watch what it's a proper experience. We have a proper experience. In other words, we know who God is through Christ being in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And thus, when we know him properly, we know who we are in him. And so then it says, and hope, hope here again, it's that Greek word that means it's absolute finished work guarantee. Hope makes not what? Ashamed. Makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is poured out in our hearts, in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions, by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. And so we see the need of patience. Listen, that's good. that is our lesson. That is our lesson from the time we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior until we go to see him in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, face to face. It is all about patience. And God would ask us this. He would ask me and he would ask all of us. Is God patient? Is he patient? Has he been patient with us? <laughs> Has he been patient with us? And in our growth, as God has been patient with us, expressing his love for us, have we been patient with each other? And without it, does that love flow? Now again, here, we see this also, the way that it is brought out in this way here. Knowing this, and I'll read this particular verse. This is in Philippians. And this is why we need patience, because of what God is doing in and through us. And what he is doing on the earth that is separated from us while we're here on this earth. But in Philippians chapter 1, it brings this out very, very beautifully. In verse 27, it says this, only let your conversation, and conversation has to do with what we speak in terms of our true character. Only let our conversation and the way we speak and the way that we live and we manifest it through our conversation, which has to do with our thought life, as it becomes the gospel of Christ. And really, it is the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ being expressed in us and through us. 
that whether I come and see you, Paul speaking to the Philippians, and obviously the Holy Spirit through him to us, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, how you live your life, that you may stand fast, immovable. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be, be steadfast. It means in your position as you grow experientially through patience and grace through the, and, and in the protection of his love. Be steadfast in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Unmovable, always abounding. And the work of the Lord, see the work that he is working in and through you in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, and that work that he's doing in and through you for others. So be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is never without purpose, it's never empty, it's never vain. And this is what this is bringing out with these scriptures that God is giving us. So that you stand fast, it says, in one spirit. And this brings out the reality of a local assembly that functions in one mind in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. So Ephesians 4, verse 1, that I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. And what he's speaking there, when love has captured us, it keeps out all shame, all guilt, all condemnation, all comparing in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we don't compare ourselves. We don't judge one another in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. We don't judge ourselves after the flesh, and we don't judge one another after the flesh. We know each other in Christ. We are knit together in Colossians 2, 2, the Greek word sumbibadzo, and it means we are so knit together, so protected, that we think the same way towards each other without any difference. And that always involves patience, and patience always involves growing in the protection of God's love in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. So that you may, in Philippians 1, 27, so that you may stand fast in one spirit, notice, with one mind. God thinks the way, same way about us as he does everybody. Which, again, does away with the foolishness of comparing. And so, again, in one mind, strive, laboring, endeavoring, not striving after the flesh and stress, but endeavoring together. Notice it's together. For the faith, and the faith is all those teachings about who Christ is in his person and the work that he has accomplished through his Father for us as individuals. And this is what this brings out here. Together, for the faith of the gospel. And then look what it brings in. Because remember, we're in this world, but we're not of it. This world is, is on its way to being judged. You and I, judgment's already passed for us. Christ has already dealt with it. There is no judgment for us. It's beautiful. No judgment for us. But he is getting this world system that's evil to, to its core, everything about it, to its absolute core is evil, this world system. And so... And, and then it says in verse 28 of Philippians 1, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Because there's, we're going to have adversaries. Jesus said in John 15, 18, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they kept my sayings in John 15, 25, they're going to keep yours. And if they didn't want me in John 18, 40, 
they're not going to want you. And if they wanted to crucify, and they did crucify me in John 19.15, they're going to want to do the same thing to you. But in nothing, terrified by your adversaries. Why? Because this is an evident token. It's a visible manifestation of where they're headed in judgment with God. But to you, it becomes our salvation, a constant deliverance. You see, we were saved once in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We're going to continually be delivered constantly in our growth, experientially, which becomes in growth and in degrees the measure of our position in Christ. Of course, and we're going to grow in that for all eternity in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. Here's verse 29. For unto you, this is each one of us, it is given. Given here means it's grace. Even being persecuted, that's a badge of honor in God's grace. It is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, to lean on him, to trust him for every single thing, but also, as you do that, to suffer for his sake. And this suffering is Romans 8 and verse 18, for I reckon, the Greek word legizomai, an accountant's term, I reckon, legizomai is the proper way, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, all of it, is not worthy to be compared to the glory. We read the glory in, in Romans 5. One through five. We read about that glory. And that's ours. We read about it. With a glory that will be revealed in us and on us and all around us. So what we go through in times of not suffering because of bad decisions, but suffering because of who we are in Christ. For this average lifespan in Psalm 90 and verse 10, between 70 and 80 years, some more, some less. What is that compared to eternity? It is given not only to believe on him, trust him fervently for everything, without, without murmuring, without complaining, all of us, as he works it in. Just notice, notice how this happens with us, with, with, with patience. And see, I can always know in my own heart that if I am right with God at that particular time in my growth, because I will be expressing, he will be expressing his love to me in patience. In patience. And it will reveal to me that I'm receiving grace because I know that I'm receiving grace because when I receive grace, there's no irritation in it. What, if we're irritated, okay, is God condemning us? No, he's just revealing to us we have not yet received grace. And if we don't, grace isn't established, does his love flow experientially in us? And then are we protected? No. See, the enemy wants to do everything he can to bring an intense shame in our life, which doesn't belong in who we are in Christ in Hebrews 2 and verse 11. Both he that sanctifies and them that are sanctified are all of one, it says in Hebrews 2, 11, and he's not ashamed to call us brethren. There's no shame in it, in God, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he wants the shame to be in us experientially instead of the protection of his love. For unto you it is given, not on the behalf of Christ. We all have a measure. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, all these things have been measured towards us. Okay? We cannot measure the glory that God has given us in Christ because it's eternal. But 
He has measured us a portion of suffering righteously. But he's, he, he has it in a way that we're able to bear it in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, to bear up under it as a man of God and a woman of God without any irritation. So patience brings in the protection of his love. There's no irritation in grace. And that brings in a spirit of thankfulness. And we can always tell if I'm not thankful for all things in Ephesians 5.20 and thankful in all things in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, it's because I lack the patience of his love towards me. And if I lack it towards me, I'm going to lack it towards those that are closest to us. And then it goes out from there. Notice, and as we see this this morning in Philippians 1 and verse 30, having the same conflict, there's a conflict. We're in an angelic conflict in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. There's an angelic conflict going on, even in our prayers. When we pray, we need to be patient and trust God. And God will never call us to be patient and not be with us in that patience. Never. He will always be with us. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you in Hebrews 13 and verse 5 with a triple salutation. And so it brings in, we have this conflict right now that's going on. And so the conflict is brought out too and, and brings out the necessity of prayer with patience. See, I know that my prayers are effective when I have his patience. When I have that patience, the supernatural patience, patience of the love of God. This is brought out again in Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. So it says here in Philippians 1.30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me, to be in me. And then we see this very, very clearly in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Hebrews chapter 10. But here in, in James also, in James, the first chapter, it says, James, a servant of the Lord, who is a servant? A proper worshiper, a proper one who worships God in John 4, 23 and 24. And of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into many different kinds, when the enemy comes in and tempts you with all kinds of things. Now who could count that all joy? Where does joy come from? In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it comes from the protection of God's love. Love is the cause. The first thing I know when I'm in his presence in Psalm 16, 11, when I'm in his presence properly related to him, what do I experience? Joy. You mean even when the enemy comes in with a multitude of temptations? Absolutely. Why? Knowing this, that the trying, the testing of your dependence works what? Patience. But let patience have its complete work. The completion of God's love is what he's revealing. His complete love for us in every detail is what he's revealing to us. And this is because of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. And this is 1 John 4 and verse 17. We're to have boldness in the day of judgment because there isn't any for us. For as he is Christ, so are we in this world because, because love 
Complete love casts out fear because fear has what? Torment. He that fears is not experiencing what love has accomplished for it. What love has accomplished for it. So we see it here. But let patience have that complete work that you may be complete and entire, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, ask, let him ask of God that gives to all without grudgingly, freely, as much as you want, without any grudging at all, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, complete dependence. Ask in faith, nothing wavering as a result of the atmosphere coming in with its lies and its projections. The enemy always projects lies and imaginations against depending and trusting God for everything in 2 Corinthians 10 and verses 4, 5, and 6. So if you lack wisdom, ask. But nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind, atmosphere, and tossed about. Tossed about, losing perspective, forgetting God and everything else coming in that's against it. Forgetting him. And so that brings in the reality of Ephesians 4, 14, 15, and 16. So we go here again, here in Hebrews, Hebrews the 10th chapter, and we're almost uh, finished this morning. But again, in Hebrews chapter 10, this is what it says. This is what the enemy's always trying to do. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confident, your confident, complete, and utter dependence upon God in everything and for everything, without hesitation, without an ounce of doubting, because he that doubts is damned if he eat. In, in Romans 14, 23, he that doubts is damned if he eat. Is God damning us? No. Is he condemning us? No. But the enemy wants us to function in the flesh because when we're in the flesh, the enemy's constantly doing that. Bringing in these improper thinking, these improper thoughts. God's against me. This person's against me. This circumstance is against me. That situation, all these things. Here, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, your complete and utter trust, which has a great recompense of reward, for you have need of what? Here it is again, patience. That after you have done the will of God, God working in his will in and through you and I, through our utter dependence upon him, and then after that you might receive the promise for yet a little while, hang on, trust him. Trust God for the little whiles in your life. Don't walk by sight in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Walk by faith. Walk by, get to know the God of all patience with you while he works in that patience, love for you and I. And so for yet a little while, and he that will come, will come, and he will not tarry. He won't wait. This brings in Habakkuk, the second chapter, in those first four verses. But it also brings back again the conflict that we're in now in this thing called time on our way to our eternal fellowship with Jesus Christ and with all other believers. But for now, 
We need constant prayer because prayer is constantly teaching dependence. It's constantly teaching patience, constantly independence. Because again, in Daniel 10 and verse 13, Daniel prayed. He prayed. God gave him a vision. And we know without a vision, understanding God, his nature, character, and essence, his plans for us. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, those beautiful plans for us. And without a vision, in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, we cast off restraint. We cast off protective love experientially. We cast it off. And we become in a place where God can no longer protect us and govern us with his love in our experience, you see. But Daniel prayed, and the, and the, and the prayer was delayed 21 days. 21. And it was an intense prayer and a deep need. 21 days. What was God teaching him? Patience. Patience. God will have his way. He has a whole army in heaven. In Psalm 115 and verse 3, and Daniel 4 and verse 35, at his disposal. But there's timing for it. And his timing goes with his provision. The provision is delayed at many times because patience has not been established in the protection of his love for us. And so there's going to be a delay until. We come to the place, each of us, of self-helplessness and self-hopelessness in anyone or anything other than Christ himself. But that came, but, but it was revealed to him, to Daniel, and God reveals to us this morning, we have need of patience because we're in the midst of a spiritual conflict, unseen, but just as real as anything, more real than what is seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 17, specifically verse 18. We don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal. There's conflict. Things that are not seen are eternal. And so this is what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul was teaching those that were Jews that were born again and placed in the body of Christ, but then they were going back to legalism and back to the flesh. And so he said, for yet a little while, he that will come, will come and won't tarry. Listen, is anything too hard for God? In Genesis 18, 14, in Jeremiah 32 and verse 19, no, but it will return unto you. At God's set time, his appointed time, and you will experience life because that's what his desire is. And then finally, in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 2, but you can read when if you have time, and I would suggest that we make time as much as we can uh, to do our own reading with the scriptures in our homes. In 2 Thessalonians, those first chapter, there's the, there are those 12 verses that lead up to verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. Here's chapter 2 and verse 1 of 2 Thessalonians. Now we beseech you, we plead with you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by our gathering together unto him, see what makes it necessary to gather together with him. And even in Hebrews 10 and verse 30, uh, 25, to do it much more as we see the day of him approaching. And we can see that in second in, in, in Titus 2, 11 to 14. If Paul thought he was coming back in his day in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, we are that much closer, so much closer right now. So much closer. Well, by the coming 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's always a manifested revelation of his presence coming. And our gathering together unto him, we support each other through being knit together with that same love and the support, that one mind and one spirit in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, that you, that you may not soon be shaken in your mind. Because God is shaking right now. There's a lot of shaking going on in our country, worldwide, but specifically in our country. And God is shaking to remove things that can be shaken so that what can't be shaken will come and be established. Now, he's already established that in us in, in, in Christ because we're a heavenly people. That's established in us. But he's going to establish the earth too, and we're going to come back with him in Revelations, the 19th chapter, in verses 11 to 16, for him to establish his kingdom on this earth in Revelations 20, verses 3 and 4, that millennial reign. But in the, in the meantime, that we don't soon be shaken in mind. And there's shaking in Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. God is shaking to remove things in us that can be shaken so that we can function in what can't be shaken. And that's who we are in Christ. That you may not soon be shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by words, nor, not by any letter is from us. That's not why God gave us the word to, to cause us to be afraid. It's the opposite. The function in his love. That the day of Christ is at hand. Judgment coming for the earth, of which is none for us. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except there come a falling away first. This is apostasy, or the, those apostatized. What is he saying? First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2, it says, some, some will depart from the faith. You know, Jesus had many disciples, those that were taught, but many even of those, when Jesus was their passive teacher, as he still is now in spirit, by the way, for all of us, many of them went back and walked no more with him in John 6, 66. But here, there's going to be a falling away first. And boy, do we see it in, in this country. A falling away. Where do they fall away? Right back into the world system under Satan's control. Falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This will happen in that period of chapters 6 through 18, 6 through 18 in Revelations, of which have nothing to do with the church. Church has been raptured off the earth by then in Revelations 4 and verse 1. Gone, not there. But this is, what, this is what's coming while we're still here. And before this happens here in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we will be raptured to be with him because then judgment's going to come. See, judgment is passed for us. There's no guilt or condemnation in God's view of us because Christ has completed it. We're complete in him. And so, but there is for the earth, the day of Christ when he comes back to judge the earth. And all those who oppose and exalt themselves above all that is called God or that is worship, 
that even this man, this man of sin, Satan's final man, sits in the temple of God showing that he is God. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. God's telling us these things to prepare us so that we know how valuable the opportunity of time is in learning these things, preparing us why we don't settle down in this world system. That's why, that's why the people that I desire, honestly, the people that I desire to be with the most are our precious local assemblies right here. That's the truth. I have no greater joy, honestly, no greater thrill than to be with God's people, to experience this love relationship no matter what we do. It's the height of my joy while on earth. It literally is. There's no more people than I'd rather be with than the folks that are here in this room that are listening or that in, are part of the body of Christ in different locations. But I'm saying as far as my location here, they're the people I desire to be with the most. Remember, not, remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For this mystery is coming. It's more and more coming out. This mystery of godliness and iniquity. More and more coming out. And bold face of absolute hatred about God, about Christ, about his word, about Christians. Christians are the most persecuted people on the planet right now. Did you know that? That's right. Because it's leading up to this particular time, thank God, of which we will not be here, based upon Revelation 3 and verse 10. He saves us out of that hour, not through it like some believe. We don't go through tribulation period. Tribulation period has to do with Revelations chapter 6 through 18. It has nothing to do with who we are, the church. We, we don't face the wrath of God in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9 because Christ bore that in our place on Calvary. So there is none for us, but certainly for those that aren't his. And we don't have a part in that. So as we close this morning, we see the patience that's needed in our personal growth, in his love for us and patience and for each other until Christ comes back, we're looking for him. In Titus 2 and verse 13, that the appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In, second, uh, in Titus 2, 13 and 14, and we're looking for him. Our view is to be heavenly. Not, not, our view is not horizontal on this earth. It's not. It's vertical. We're in this world, not of it. Our view is vertical. We look away from all that distracts unto Jesus in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. And we can be so thankful for these truths that his love is so patient and that we can experience the God of all patience. You know, he's the God of all patience. You cannot separate love from patience. You can't separate who God is from patience because in his eternal mind, it had to be that. God had to be patient so that he could love us properly and that was through Jesus Christ. And Father, we just thank you so much. We just praise you and thank you so much for your love and your so great patience for us as we grow experientially into what you've already finished about us and our standing and in our position so that our experience or our, our present state is equal 
through what your love, through your patience has accomplished in us. Thank you that we can be a prisoner of you in Ephesians 3.1 and Ephesians 4.1 because that love through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, you giving us your Son and giving us the Spirit also has more, made us more than conquerors in Romans 8 verse 37. Teach us, God, to depend upon you, your love, to experience you in the midst of your patience being worked into us as you work in the intimacy of that great love for us, Father, for each other and for a lost and dying world as we're on our way, Father. And, oh, God, we want to invite as many as we can when you give the opportunity, not driven, not a works program, but a resting in your love, so content with who we are and our personal testimony that that comes out and people are attracted to it and that we can take as many with us to our home together to have an eternal fellowship again where nothing ever again will disturb or distract us from receiving that incredible love. In Jesus' name, amen.